to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. The Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. Hey, welcome you guys. Bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Pray you had a wonderful weekend. We pray now that every heart is completely plowed by the ox of God, the Chayat, the living creatures around his throne that accompany the eternal gospel. When the gospel comes forth, it's the kingdom coming forth. Go and preach this gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is written, Therefore, when the full gospel comes forth, book of Revelation says it comes down like angels from the heavenly sphere, from the eternal realm of the heavens, literally from the sapphire stone tablets where we get scripture from. It comes down through the stars and the sun and the moon. The path of lightnings, Nathaniel, the promise to Jesus Christ to the apostle Nathaniel, you are going to see the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You are going to see the kingdom and how it comes, and it's constantly coming down as it's written, every good and perfect gift. And there's a fresh gift for you today in the Word of God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation of turning, and in whom there is no shadows. There is no darkness in him at all. As is written, God is Shekinah. God is light. In him there is no darkness. His light is our word, our daily bread, the path of righteousness that shines ever brighter. Why is it ever brighter? Just because we're learning more? No, because we're knowing him more. As we know him more, and he is the word. So as we know the word burning in our hearts like a menorah in the temple of Solomon, burning in our hearts as an altar of giving everything to Jesus Christ daily, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Don't just give him the bad things in your life. Give him the best things in your life. As is written, everything must be tested in fire, and God receives no sacrifice no prayer, no thanksgiving, no praise, no worship, except through fire. And this is the fire of the Holy Ghost. The promise of the new covenant that we would have fresh fire every day to be priests of the Melchizedek order of his righteousness, of his heavenly ways, the order of the holy angels. It's the order and the rank of the angels, as is written. They are the children of the resurrection. They shall ascend into the angelic realms and be the angel-like children of God. And therefore, since they're like the angels, they can never die. Luke chapter 20, it is written. That is the gospel today that resurrects us into the realms of the angels. The enculturation of the kingdom of heaven is the enculturation of the angelic cultures. Ten different types of angels mentioned in the Bible, the seraphim, the ophanim, and the cherubim, they are here today to enculturate you into the kingdom way. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Well, through the word of God, the angelic thought life that is moved by the very soul of yad heh vav Jesus Christ, Messiah, King, becomes our thought life. 
just like the angels, as it's written, they should be angel-like, angels are only moved by the soul of God. We must only be moved by the soul of Jesus Christ, our God. If any other thing is moving us, we're influenced by the other side, the demonic realm. Therefore, it needs to be pruned. God the Father is a vine dresser or a pruner, which means he is trimming away all the areas in our souls that are sensitive to listening to the other side, sensitive to listening to religious spirits, selfishness, greed, covetousness, sorcery, witchcraft, the will of the evil one, all these demonic influences that come upon every single believer's life. Therefore, we must put on the full armor of God in order to keep away the evil influence. Is the armor of God enough? No. There must also be a priesthood when you're wearing the armor, not just hearers of the word, doers, which means once you're filled with the word of God, doing the word is doing the works of the ministry, the works of the Holy Ghost, the works that God the Father has prepared for each of you to do. These are the works of doing the Father's will. He has works prepared for you, the works that please the Father. When your heart is sensitive to what the Holy Ghost wants to do, when you're engaging in the word, repenting of selfishness, evil desires, lusts, everything that wants to come in through the carnal members, the impulse of the flesh. We have to put to death the evil impulse, the Apostle Paul says in Scripture. Therefore, ridding ourselves of all sexual morality, all defilement, and all sorcery, which are the words of the evil one that enkindle word curses and witchcraft, in a person's mind, in a person's will, in a person's blood, so that they're completely confused as to what to do in life. What destroys Babylon, which is the word confusion? God's word alone, as it's written, where there is clarity, there is great light. This is the light of the gospel. There is light nowhere else except God's word. Second Corinthians 3.18, how do we go into the glory? The Bible says one way, to go into the glory our safety, our strong tower, our refuge, our ever-present help in a time of need is only in the glory of the Father. Jesus Christ is the Word of God who has shared with us the glory of His Father. That's what it means to be saved. You are the children of light. Walk in the light. The children of glory walk in the glory. How can we walk in an ever-increasing glory? By gazing into the Word of God and allowing it to obliterate every other word any other communication that we have on earth, any other will that we have in our heart. In the heart is the root of all idolatry. In the eyes are the roots of all immorality. Both must be obliterated every day. We present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. What does it mean to present your heart and your eyes as a living sacrifice? The word is welcomed into my senses. It's not rejected. It's not, you know, just sit upon the head and just wonder if that's okay or not. Do I consider this word? Do I allow this word entry? Will this word change me? When a person is a temple of the Holy Ghost, what the Holy Ghost is saying is always allowed entry into the heart. As is written, do not harden your hearts in hearing the word of God, for that's what provides today's salvation or today's light. 
and without light we will go into the darkness. If we are not refreshed every day by gazing into the Word of God, we will begin to slip into the darkness. Oftentimes we're not even aware of the slipping. That's why we need to gaze into the Word. As we gaze into the glory, we begin to burn our senses. We begin to burn our eyes. We begin to burn our feelings. We begin to burn our thought life. We begin to burn our will. So the thoughts, the feeling, the will, the emotions, the entire soul that's in the blood, the nefesh soul, is offered as an animal sacrifice. And any nefesh soul that's in the blood, Leviticus 17, that is not offered as a living sacrifice, will only constantly do the will of the evil one. It is a wide path of destruction of those who do not present their mind, will, and emotions in their blood to the fire of the Holy Ghost to obliterate it, to turn it clear. This is our daily sacrifice. No matter how high you've gone up in the mountain, your base camp down below, your horse down below better be a white horse. You better walk with him in white. Take heed that you stand lest you fall. It is written, for in this life you can fall at any level. Which means as you begin to ascend, you're more and more aware of the frailty and the weakness of the flesh to do the wrong thing. Therefore, the higher intelligence, the higher wisdom, the angelic intelligence, the angelic word that's working in the heavenly sphere as it's written, the angel preaching the gospel in the mid-heavens, begins to have a government over the lower soul life. That's the nefesh that's in the blood. To take that horse, to take that nefesh, that temple of the jar of clay, and to use it for the higher things. When we had lesser wisdom, we could only use this jar of clay for the lesser wisdom, for that's all the influence of the word of God we had. But as we grew by looking into the Word of God, we progressively use our lower soul, our nefesh, for higher and higher things of God and guard it more and more strictly to the point where even people in the glory around the glory say you're being religious. You're being religious now. Where'd your freedom go? Listen, it gets stricter and stricter the higher you go, which is a greater freedom beyond anything you could ever imagine. It is far greater than any elevation you could ever imagine in the church age, walking in the heights of the heavens. But it's a strictness of the angelic obedience to the throne of the Father. It's only in that rigid righteousness, Scripture says, that you actually experience that eternal freedom from the realm of the upper Garden of Eden. And this is where our message flows from. The rivers that flowed out of Eden to water the garden. There are liquid gospels coming forth in the drips and the drops of Eden, as it's written, Behold, he comes with the rain. Behold, scripture comes with the rain. My gospel is like light rain upon tender mown grass. We're singing the song of Moses from the Garden of Eden. We're singing the song of the Lamb from Mount Zion. We're bringing down the word with the liquid drops, the mercy drops, the grace drops of the Garden of Eden, where the very message of that realm of the Father's Rose Garden drips with the eternal word of God. As it's written, be washed in the water of the word that is crystal clear and sparkling and emanating Shekinah so brightly, it cannot come from a human place. It comes from God's own garden. 
I tell you the truth, guys. The gospel comes from the Garden of Eden. Where did your gospel originate? I tell you the truth. The true and everlasting eternal gospel only originates in the Father's Garden called Eden. Gen Eden in Hebrew. Gen is Hebrew for garden. The Garden of Eden that drops the Word of God. That's your daily bread. Do you know your daily bread comes down in liquid form? It does. As it's written, the river that proceeded from the throne of the Lamb, Revelation 22.1. Well, in the river is all the daily bread, which is the daily words that satisfy our souls with God's energy, His power, His glory. You can never go from glory to glory and learn until you learn how to eat the Word in a liquid, digestible form for the invisible person of the heart. You're not just feeding the outer man that can be seen with natural eyes. You're feeding the inner man that can be seen with angel eyes. Your inner man, your spirit man, your invisible person of your heart is only living in the angelic world constantly. Guys, that's the real world. You're only awakened to the measure you're living in the invisible world of the angels. And our entry into that world, the eternal realm of the invisible world, is only by the Word of God. The Word is the gate into the eternal. So you're not going alone. There's nothing to be afraid of except the fear of the Lord and the fear of His Word, which is living in the awe of the Word that's emanating the light of God. They were in awe and in fear of God. Why? Because of the glory and the brightness burning on the mountain. They were terrified because of the brightness emanating out of Moses' face. When they were looking at Stephen with the glowing face, they had no fear of God. You know what that means? They were completely filled with the spirit of Amalek. Amalek was the only person mentioned in the Exodus that had no fear of Israel and no fear of Israel's God, Yadavaveh, Y-H-V-H, God in English. The only entity in the Old Testament in the Torah that did not have fear of God or Israel was Amalek. Guys, this is what you deal with today. The Amalekites are all around you that have no fear of God, that are tempting you to not walk in the fear. Do you know why we have so little fear of God in American Christianity? Because we're completely infested with the Amalekites. It's true. Amalekite spirits are what cut people off from walking in the reverential fear and awe of God. The holiness and honoring the wisdom of the Word, and even those that are more mature than ourselves, are, instead of being honored in this generation, extremely abused, dishonored, slandered in every way in American Christianity today. Guys, that's because of the Amalekites in our Christianity. We're going to need a cleansing. It's time to call the Ghostbusters and bust these ghosts. <laughs> It's time to clean house in Jesus' name. Amen. That's powerful. Powerful words. That's how the universe was created. And on that note of that kind of activity towards the apostles, towards the sent ones, when Jesus comes to return the kingdom to the Father physically and everything is unveiled before all eyes, 
invisible and visible and everything's made just clear as day. There's no more veil between the natural dimension and the invisible dimensions. And everyone is held accountable for everything that they've done with the time that they've had on earth. Now imagine Jesus standing before you and looking you in the eye and immediately, instantly by his spirit of knowing, the Holy Spirit of knowledge, by his spirit to spirit perfect communications, all of a sudden you are made instantly to know and be aware whether how blissfully or how painfully all that you've ever done for the kingdom, whether you fought Christ majorly, uh, out of the majority of what you did, or if you did his will. So even those people who are saved, you are going to have to look Jesus Christ face to face in the eye. And you will be aware of how much of an enemy you were to him even after salvation. That's not something that can ever be avoided. It's not something that's just sugar-coated, glazed over. That's a part of the culmination of all things. So, imagine Jesus Christ standing in front of you today, right now. Make short-term plans, make long-range plans. One of the long-range plans you should always hold in your heart is the moment where, at the culmination, the climax, after the climax, the culmination of all things, and you look God in the form of Jesus Christ in the face, what report will you have before him? Will it be, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will you have the sudden terror of the realization that you attacked, murdered, and stole, and even though you're forgiven and saved, you attacked what he was trying to do in the earth and you didn't help him. You didn't trust him. You didn't believe the ones he sent. I'll send my servants. Surely, you know, they'll listen to them. And then he sends his son. He sends his sons, his sons and daughters. Surely they'll listen to my own offspring. And then, you know, is there murder, envy, strife, jealousy, witchcraft? Don't think that you can do witchcraft prayers praying your own will and attacking the anointed of God and think that somehow you can still walk in your rewards. No. You forfeit your rewards. On top of that, the people that you've prayed witchcraft prayers against, they're only increased minimum seven times over everything that you even tried to steal. So just be aware of the reality of the situation because this is not church-age Christianity. This is cosmic righteousness. So those things that people used to get away with in the church age because no one was really walking in righteousness, it can't happen anymore. This is the time where the righteous are already being paid back seven times over when the unrighteous prayers of the believers who are supposed to be helping begin attacking. So understand the time what day it is, know the times, know the seasons, and a wise son you'll be. Focusing on wisdom is the interpretation of the scripture. When you hear interpretation, don't think brain understanding. That's Greek. That's a diabolical system of the fallen angels where you just ever hearing but never understanding. So you never come to the knowledge of truth. 
Wisdom is the emanation of the light. Okay, Daniel 12.3 says, Those that are enlightened will shine as the sky. The enlightenment is the actual knowing of the word. Enlightenment is true enlightenment, not some stuff that you get anywhere else except through God's own holy word, the word that created the heavens and the earth. So wisdom is the emanation of Shekinah when you understand the word. Very few understand the word to the level that it emits Shekinah. So when we study to show ourselves approved, a workman that needs not being ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, we're studying to go into the glory. Proverbs says a wise man goes into the glory and searches things out. So studying the word needs to be our most important thing. There's two things that we do as a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is your relationship with God. We study the word and we pray the word. We study the word, we pray to the word. What does it mean to have a relationship with God? Two things, to study and to pray. When you study, you study in the Holy Spirit. When you pray, you pray in the Holy Spirit, building your spirit man up, always praying in the most holy faith. We pray in tongues and we pray with understanding. 1 Corinthians 14, both, all the time. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than you all. So I'm always praying in unknown tongues and I'm praying always in growing my understanding, which is an ever-increasing Shekinah. So what does it mean to ascend the ladder in these days to overcome the world? We need to understand one of the most important scriptures for this generation is Revelation 12.12. It's one that all of us need to have memorized and written on our hearts. It says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for Satan has been thrown down on you. So we can be in no parts earthly, in our spirit, soul, mind, or even our flesh. Because your flesh is always drawn from the heavenly. So in a sense, your flesh is over the earth. It's true. You're a temple of the over the earth gospel. You're a temple of the out of this world gospel. So that the contents are what consecrate the temple so that you're not being pulled down by anything below. You're actually being pulled up because you're filled with the things that are from above. When a temple is consecrated, it's filled with the above realm things of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't suffer the curse of the fall, even though it's in the earth, but it's really over the earth. Because what the body is, is a temple of elevations of different thoughts and wills of entities in this world, and there's only one God. And every time there is a circumcision of the heart, it's a removal of another God's will. It's a removal of hell. It's a removal of demonic influence, a lack of understanding, a blindness, a dullness. It's a removal of laziness, slothfulness. Greed, covetousness, lust, every single time that we look into the Word and gain an elevation in our heart by the removing of the old in our literal DNA, with God's DNA, that is His very Word, there is a removal of darkness and an ever-increasing light. Otherwise, the Bible would say you're already in the fullness of light when you're born again, but it teaches the exact opposite, that we always are going from glory to glory. And when you were child, children, you practiced childish. But when you became men, you put away the childishness. So there is an elevation from the childishness, the very low-level dimness of looking as a reflection in a mirror, to knowing face-to-face when you're adults in the Word. 
children in the word have a dullness in the word. They haven't learned how to communicate out of the brightness of the Shekinah glory. They haven't learned how to interpret the divine will. They haven't learned how to practice the presence, which is pray without ceasing. They haven't consecrated the soul, the mind, the thoughts, the ears, the senses to do the will of God. There is still a huge pull of the evil impulse upon their flesh so that their spirit man is pulled down to do the will of the flesh that is not crucified with Christ. All of that is growing up in the Lord. And so you progressively learn how to effectively put to death the impulses of the flesh, the carnal instincts of the body and to live to the power of the Holy Spirit, yielding your bodies as living sacrifices. So the body becomes more and more a better slave to the spirit and the spirit is serving the very throne of God. God only allows spirits to serve to serve him. As is written, God is spirit in him. Uh, you must worship him in spirit and in truth. <laughs> So therefore, to serve God, you have to be following your outer man into your inner man. You will never be able to follow Jesus Christ if you are an outer man Christian. An outer man Christian is the entirety of the Babylon, the great Christianity called the Horror Babylon in Revelation. That's what Esau is. Esau is all Christianity that is of the outer man that doesn't have the circumcisions. Therefore, Gaining the circumcisions, understanding the inner man. And from the inner man, we serve the Holy Spirit. The outer man is progressively peeled away, circumcised away to serve God in spirit and in truth. Amen. Amen. It's so rich. It's wonderful wisdom from the, from the epicenter of the Achita soul uh, mirrored within you through the white rose. For such a time as this, amen. And it's needed. Uh, but that those are beautiful points, which kind of brings us to our uh, pictures for the day, our lessons here. We're talking about the new earth. What is the apostle talking about? Circumcisions, gazing into the word like a mirror, going from glory to glory, it all sounds so wonderful, it all sounds so enriching, and it is. And as you begin to have an understanding of these things, you are going to be stepping into the new earth, which is what? It's a place created by God for the new creature. All of those details that Brandon was explaining in that apostolic anointing, is so that you can develop the new creature within you that God has made alive in Christ in your innermost being so that you can be a partaker of the kingdom of heaven, not only the kingdom of heaven within you, but as the prophet Bob Jones said, it's time for you to pull that kingdom from within you and bring it out. It's the marriage of the realms. Eventually, there will be no separation between heaven and earth, the visible and the invisible. And so as you begin to rise and you begin to see on sapphire stones, you realize that the point of putting to death the animal soul, the nefesh, was so that the child of God, your spirit, your innermost being, could grow in Christ and now you develop the innermost being. 
the new creature, a new creation with a new heart. That's what the circumcision is for. It's the putting away of the old and the coming forth of the new creature within you, made in his likeness, in his image, which means you have his nature being formed in you. The new nature cannot be formed in the old creature. Only the new creature. It's the inner being of light, the inner man of light. That's your identity in Christ. So anywhere your identity is in the old nature, the old sinful nature, that which is passing away, those are the places where you're going to struggle to understand the concept of what God is trying to do in your life. He has given you free will, so it's wise to choose to put to death the old nature and to live in Christ. Put your whole mind, thoughts, feelings, and emotions in your innermost being, in that inner man of light, to be in union with God. There can be no union with God unless you have a connection to his Tiferet and Shekinah light within you. Why Tiferet and Shekinah? Because if it's only Shekinah separated from Tiferet, you're just repeating the sin of the curse of the fall instead of being united to the Son of Righteousness with healing in his wings. And you'll find that that is the healing and the refreshing that your soul longs for. And how many of you know in the Bible it is written that you cannot put new wine into an old wineskin because it will burst? This kind of power and life and abundance cannot fit into the old wineskin. It will literally break. So you're building the vessel to contain the blessing. The praying, the fasting, the engaging in Torah, the obedience to the apostolic, the killing and the crucifying of your desires to pray witchcraft prayers, your desires to take what doesn't belong to you, putting to death the old man, and building by faith a vessel to receive the blessing of the new creature can only be done by and through faith in Jesus Christ. It's the walk of faith. The Sephirot of Jacob's ladder is the realm of faith. And the only type of new vessel that can contain the blessings that the Father wants to give you is a new creature with a new nature, which is the divine nature. The very nature of Christ in us which is the emanation of glory, Colossians 1.27. This nature, the glory nature, the new creature whose atmosphere of heaven is the atmosphere that it grows in. So we eat the word to put our spirit man in the atmosphere of the potential of growing. You could look at it as an incubator. It is. It's a hyperbaric chamber. We're hydroponic creatures because it's the water of the Word with the light of the Son of our Father beaming onto us and beaming into us. So He's inside and outside. He's all around. He's omnipresent. And His main purpose 
is to father us into maturity. So all the warfare against the born-again believer in Christ is the warfare to stunt the believer's growth from growing into the mature things, to keep them in the immature things, even the elementary things. Even being faithful in elementary things is disobedience because we did not grow up. So that's a really good one you need to understand. This is why we have a 100,000 different things going around here in the elementary things of Christ and very, very few in the mature things of Christ. Very few that know about the sapphire stones. And it's true, that's where we need to be. The only reason we're saying that is because that's where the Father requires our maturity in this generation. It's the Father that demands maturity. The Father's a shrewd businessman demanding that he reap where he did not sow, demanding maturity in our lives. It's true. He wants us to grow up more than we do. I tell you the truth. And we only grow up if we understand farming. How to develop that seed of God's Word into an atmosphere of light and keep developing the inner man, our spirit man, into the full spiritual stature of Jesus Christ at the right hand of God. We will grow up in Him if we cultivate a farming environment to grow the Word in the soil of our spirit. So no matter what your outer man is doing throughout the day, the most important thing is development of His Word growing within your spirit. Otherwise, you'll have no light for any activity. The eyes will grow dim. And everything will be gross darkness. God forbid that we waste any more time in darkness. We need to learn how to grow light. Light grows. And listen, light grows on trees. The tree of life is the tree of Shekinah light. And therefore, the very seed of that tree that grows in the Garden of Eden is the gospel. The gospel growing in our spirit. The word of Jesus. And guys, it's not just one little paragraph. It's... It's all the Word of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is how I know what it is, because Revelation 15 says, They will sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. Therefore, all the words of the Old Testament will be brought into the fruitfulness of their hearts, cultivating the atmosphere of heaven by the whole Old Testament brought into glory elevating the glory of the New Testament in their hearts, you develop heaven in you by allowing that seed to come into maturity. Therefore, we produce the atmosphere of heaven by the maturing of the Word from our very hearts. Amen. Man, that's so powerful. I love the Word today. It's so good. It enriches and nourishes our soul. And I love that the plant is light. And that light grows on a plant And that plant is a palm tree, cedarboard, acacia wood, rose plant, also known as an olive tree. And if you're a botanist, you'll understand if you're a cosmic botanist. Amen. And that's what we desire to be. And we can go. We're going to dive in just a little bit here. It's called the plant of righteousness. Gardening in the new earth. Now, the reason why we're using this specific picture here, this is the closest picture I could find of the blueprint. That in the Hebrew there, that it means Metatron's blueprints uh, for the new earth. When I was caught up into heaven, 
and the Academy of Metatron. That's Enoch transfigured in his lightning angel form. I was taken to the new heavens and new earth creation station. It's really hard to talk about some of these things today. And I saw Metatron at his station working on these blueprints, fine-tuning all the little things, whatever his assignment was from God to do, that's what he was doing. And in the center of the room, there hovered this blue sphere, similar to what you see in the picture here. But it had the blueprint, the actual uh, to-scale blueprints of the new earth that's going to be coming. They're still in the production uh, phase. The plans are prepared and being made, being made ready. The only thing that can live in the new earth is a new creation. It's very strong. It's wise for you to start now, just as Brennan was saying. It's time to get into the mature things of God. You can ready yourself for the futuristic things that God wants to do. You can align yourself with the decrees of heaven. You can put away the old ways Put on the new thoughts and the new ways, the higher ways. How might you, how might this work, you might ask? How can just a regular guy, a regular girl like me, be a part of this grand plan? Very easy. You learn to love righteousness. Second Corinthians three eighteen, and all of us, as with, uh, uh, ooh, it's hard for me to talk today. Ooh. can you read this? I need help. Second Corinthians three eighteen, and all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the Word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I feel like I'm about to be uncorked or something. It's just impossible to talk when it starts coming out. But this is important. This is exactly what Brennan was speaking about in the Spirit. Uh... Just tonight, since we've started, it's all about going glory to glory, gazing into the Word, the mirror. You'll notice the theme of mirrors here, and while we have this lovely picture for you, let's take a look here in the Word of God. Because you are the temple, we are the temple. Exodus 38 verse 8, Amplified, Bezalel made the basin. 
Those are for washing. And its base of bronze from the mirrors of the attending women who served and ministered at the doorway of the tent of meeting. New Testament temple, we are the temple. Women here in that verse, meaning souls, who attended the doorway of the tent of meeting, which is the Shekinah. Souls who serve and attend the Shekinah. Wow. The wash basin is made from the mirrors. The souls who attended the Shekinah. Souls who serve and attend the Shekinah. Jeremiah 16:10 through 13. When you tell this to the people and they ask, Why is God talking this way, threatening us with all these calamities? We're not criminals, after all. What have we done to our God to be treated like this? Tell them this. It's because your ancestors left me, walked off, and never looked back. They took up with the no-gods, worshipped and doted on them, and ignored me and wouldn't do a thing I told them. They wouldn't do a thing that God told them. And you're even worse. Take a good look in the mirror, each of you, doing whatever you want, whenever you want, refusing to pay attention to me. And for this, I'm getting rid of you, throwing you out into the cold into a far and strange country. You can worship your precious no-gods there to your heart's content. Rest assured, I won't bother you anymore. Ooh, that's the worst when the Father leaves you alone to your own rebellion and the things you want to do. That's why we have to give Him our will. The overwhelming theme that I feel the Spirit saying is the joy of the obedient sons and daughters. (laughs) Jesus endured the cross, scorning the shame for the joy that was set before Him. There is a beaming sunshine joy of God the Father's glory light for those who do his will. Guys, this is the fast lane. This is the fun lane. This is the meaning of life. This is why you're created. It's to serve the Father and progressively learn what pleases him. So we're constantly gazing into his word to learn how to please him more because everything he likes, he's written down. Amen. And that's the critical difference. And we're looking in the scripture here. What was the problem? They were just doing what they felt like whenever they felt like it, but they wouldn't do a thing that God asked them to. So test your own heart and ask yourself, have your own desires and emotions become your own God? Do you feel led by God when it's just your own emotions leading you? So it's a good opportunity to repent because, like Brandon said, the oil of joy and the bliss and that radiant sunshine joy, it only comes from obedience to the Father So the lie from Satan is that have it your way is the best way, right? That burger, the Burger King demon, (laughs) you can have it your way. The illusion and the lie there is that you'll be content, that you'll be happy, that you'll be blessed, that you'll be prosperous. No, that only comes through the sacrifice of what you feel and think in your own opinions and what you feel like doing to do what the father wants to do. 
and then you'll be happy and radiant and joy and blessed and prosperous. But just like the Book of Wisdom, it's the wisdom of Ben Sirah, the Book of Ecclesiasticus. We were just studying that recently. It says that when you first join yourself to wisdom, at first wisdom is like iron chains and fetters to you, right? There's discipline of wisdom. At first, wisdom is like that to you. And then later on, she becomes a robe and a garland, right? It becomes the, a beautiful and pleasurable thing to serve God. But what does she do? First, she tests the soul. So if you submit to the fetters of wisdom, later on, wisdom becomes an ornate garment, a celestial garment for your soul. And I think we'll go back to some of these pictures and we can finish these ones up. But we want you to understand clearly who is at war for your soul. Who wants to control your mirror? Whose image will you bear? First Corinthians. Mm. 13, 12, Amplified. For now, in this time of imperfection, we see in a mirror dimly a blurred reflection, a riddle, an enigma. But then, when the time of perfection comes, we will see reality face to face. Now I know in part, just in fragments, but then I will know fully just as I have been fully known by God. So when we see as in a blurred reflection, what causes a blurred reflection? A spotted mirror. And a dirty mirror is a dirty soul. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 Amplified. And now there remain faith, abiding trust in God and his promises, hope, confident expectation of eternal salvation, Love, unselfish love for others, growing out of God's love for me. These three, the choicest graces, but the greatest of these is love. Circumcision of soul is what cleans the mirror, circumcised of heart and washed by the sword and the water of the word. So that sword and the water of the word is what makes clean the soul. That's how it works. That's the secret stairway in the heart. The pathway to the Father's rose garden. It's already within you. You can grow up as a plant of righteousness, like a tender shoot. In the anointing of the Davidic line of the Messiah, you will grow like a tender shoot in his tender humility and patience and fruitfulness and bear the fruit of the seed of righteousness and purity, faith, hope, and love will come forth within you if you surrender to a higher way that you don't know yet. It's a walk of faith, which means we walk by faith and not by sight. It's a higher way than we know, especially in the world of Isaiah on Malkut, Something you have not heard or seen in your own experience yet, but others may have gone up and seen it and told you about it. 
simply for the sake that you would walk in it yourself. Now, how are you going to walk in it? You've got to do and be like those who have gone before you already. You cannot do it by attacking those who went before you. You cannot do it by being at strife, envy, or jealousy of those who have gone before you. Because that's not how they got there. There's only one way. You have to make the sacrifice and learn to love and humble yourself and trust in the Lord and do the right thing and live the crucified life as in when people have sinned against you, it's the crucified life of Christ, which is forgive them. Father, they know not what they do. There's forgiveness. There's righteousness. There is repentance. What is the river baptism? John the Baptist, what did he say? Repent. Repentance unto salvation. So if you are desiring forgiveness, you must repent, which means change your heart, change your ways, change your mind to agree with God's ways. Why were the Pharisees not forgiven? The religious people who were not forgiven, who did not receive forgiveness, they did not change. They remained the same. We have to change. And your mirror has the power and ability in Christ to reflect God. There are wonderful realms and dimensions of the love and the glory of God that are beyond our wildest imaginations, beyond what we could possibly fathom. To taste and see that the Lord is good, you can taste him, more of him in higher worlds. And it's a physical taste. It's a smell. It enraptures your senses. It changes the way you think and behave. It fosters the growth of the new creature in Christ and prepares you for the new heavens and the new earth. And it's all within you. And then we call this, this is the seven stars and the seven souls. How does it work? With each soul that you have right now, Nefesh, and some of you have Nefesh and Ruah soul. If you are faithful with little, he will give you more. Faithful with the souls you have already. Get circumcised in the souls you have already. Ascend with the souls you have already. We've already mapped out the way for you. Take the master class. Do it. If you are still if you are still on Malkut. If you are still in the world struggling in the world of Isaiah. The Magi, the school of the Magi and the app that you can download at the links below has everything already that you need. One of our students was so thorough in reading them out loud and putting them into their eyes and ears at least three times through every lesson in Magi. Jesus Christ himself showed up in dreams and visions and told him to get on the moon. He didn't have to go around begging for and misinterpreting signs and wonders. He had Jesus Christ himself. He was so ready that Jesus Christ showed up and said, 
go to the moon. And then he, he, there were shoes. And I said, put the shoes on. And the shoes physically manifested and appeared in a, inside of his house. If you do the work of bearing the fruit, the signs and the wonders will come. Where we get into trouble is we get ahead of ourselves and we want signs and wonders to confirm something that we don't have yet formed within us. So do the work, bear the fruit. There's no other new teaching somewhere that's going to give you that thing that you need. It's already in the Magi class. Even taking just the, just the Magi class, reading them into your eyes and ears, believing them, and then changing your life to agree with it and be like that will get you all the way into the transfiguration of Tiferet of Isaiah and take the master class, the fresh... Who needs the freshman master class? Anyone who has not yet transfigured their spirit in the world of Isaiah, anyone who has not yet ascended past beyond the first world. So... Do the work. Take the classes and change your life. We already did. We already have it there for you. He adds more souls unto you. He'll give you a new heart. It is written. What are the purpose of seven souls? Look carefully. On the left there, the mirrors. That's the soul. Are made to reflect. As you gain seven, you gain the ability to reflect his seven spirits. You see the seven stars? The seven spirits of God? The light of only comes from him even with seven souls i do not radiate my own light it's only his light the brightness of my innermost being is simply the cleanliness of the souls to reflect his glory so when he says he will pour out his spirit on all flesh the temptation when you go up so high and you have so many souls if i were to ever say i'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh that would be wickedness for me because, look, do you see that on the left? I don't have any light of my own. It's his light. If I keep a clean mirror and I don't add any of myself to it, it will be clean when he pours out glory. But if at any point in time I steal from his light and say, I'm going to pour out my spirit, give my light to these people, that's a spotted mirror. It's a dirty mirror that dirties the souls and it's stolen light. And that's the fornication of the fallen angels. So be warned, those of you who are maybe in the future, you're watching this and you're going into the higher heights and you're preparing for a seventh soul, you know, a, a sixth soul, a fifth soul. Understand the clear difference between God and us, even as we're in union without separation to him, it's his light. And of course, he wants to share it with you. He wants to glorify you. He wants to fill you and flood you with it. But in those higher levels, the more subtle temptations, we must be wise and always receive communication from Yadhe Amen. I think you wanted to show us something. Yeah, look at that. It's beautiful. Thank you. So yesterday, Rebecca and I are screen mirroring the Word here, right on this couch, looking at the Bible on the TV, and I'm wearing my jogging suit and 
from my right side and some backstory. Um, I'm ascending to the right side now from uh, from Had to Netza, Netza being the right side, Had the left side. So I was asking for confirmations and signs and wonders to ascend to the next rung. And from my right side, Rebecca says, there's a feather sticking out of your shirt. And it was right in here, wasn't it? Or under my arm, like right in this area? (laughs) And she plucked it right out of my right side. And it's this incredible angel feather. And if you look at it, it's like all crystally on all the feathers. Yeah, and we haven't seen any feathers since we got here. Like, there's no feathers sitting around. There's no feathers popping out of cushions anywhere. And it was inside of his shirt, just like how, you know, a feather would be in a bird sticking out or in an angel sticking out. It was exactly like that. And I was like, yeah, that's a yeah, pretty cool sign and wonder. Yeah, it's not like I was wearing a down coat either. It was like a nylon running uh, t-shirt, uh, like a, a jogging shirt. So... It's just an incredible sign and wonder. These are the kinds of signs and wonders that need to confirm the rungs and go into the next rungs. And God loves doing it. Signs and wonders are manifestations from the glory realm. So when you're engaging in the word, signs and wonders will follow the light that came out of the word. Now, as Rebecca was speaking earlier, she says we walk not by sight, um, but by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. When she said that, I saw a vision of the letters of the scriptures outlined in radiant glory, like bright letters. And we literally see now through the letter of the word that emits the Shekinah light. Vision is seeing through the scriptures as your eyes. You can only see to the measure that the word is written in your eyes because it's immorality in the eyes where the word's not emitting Shekinah that blinds a person's eyes, and a person is born blind. This person was born blind, it is written. Well, everyone's born blind, and you learn how to see in the word, gazing into the word of God. So if you guys want to start encountering the glory and the signs and the wonders and the things of heaven, the precious things of heaven in a greater way, you must have the vision of the letters of the Shekinah glory emitting through your eyes. Amen. Um, Can we go back to the picture? That's so good. I want you to see that with that word, now look at this. Remember the seven eyes and the seven horns. As you're faithful with the vision that you have on Malkut Visaya with one or two souls, and you go up through circumcision, sanctification of your ruah, your nefesh, your ruah, that allows you to see through the word of God. So when you're seeing on sapphire stones, you're seeing through the seven spirits of God. He is the word of God. So to see his brightness, if you're going to see not through a dim you know, grungy, dirty mirror, but a circumcised through the sword of the word and washed with the water of the word, sparkling and cleansed through the fire baptism of the word of God. That's a bright, spotless mirror. That's a spotless bride. So we want to become a spotless bride. And again, we've already detailed every step necessary to do that. And as we walked it out, we broadcasted five days a week to talk about it and show you how to do it so it's already established but 
what we mainly need to do now is to raise, you know, support to build what God wants to do in the earth because it does take finances. It takes financial increase and that's pretty much uh, all that's left to do is just to build it. We're already walking in it. We're showing you the way and you can go up the secret stairway in the heart. You can become a white rose, a red rose, even a pink rose if you're really you know, dedicated, you can. You can change. You can repent. You can have a greater salvation. Amen. Amen. So we invite all of you to, to build the Father's kingdom with us and establish a kingdom of righteousness over the earth, a realm uh, where the resurrected live and dwell. It's basically building the church of the firstborn in heaven. It's building a place to broadcast and teach righteousness. And I want to just read this to you of, of the fruit of wisdom, the glory of the word. Do any of you have wisdom and insight? This is James 3.13 in God's Word translation. Show your wisdom and insight by living the right way with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and filled with self-centered ambition, don't brag. Don't say that you are wise when it isn't true. That kind of wisdom doesn't come from above. It belongs to this world. It is self-centered and demonic. Wherever there is jealousy and rivalry, there is disorder in every kind of evil. However, the wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, then it is peaceful, gentle, obedient. What is the fruit of wisdom in your life? Obedience in all things. Obedience. The wisdom that comes from above is pure obedience and it's filled with mercy and good works it's impartial and always sincere a harvest that has god's approval comes from the peace planted by the peacemakers the harvest that has god's approval comes from the peace planted by the peacemakers in jesus name amen bless you guys We'll see you tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, gather around. For today we embark on a journey of purpose and passion. A journey that transcends generations and connects us all through the power of shared dreams. We stand at the crossroads of opportunity and destiny with the chance to weave a story that will resonate for years to come. In the heart of Florida, where the sun kisses the earth with its golden warmth, there lies a vision waiting to be realized, the dream of RLM TV, a beacon of inspiration, a lighthouse of creativity, yearning for a broadcasting facility to call home. Today, I am before you not merely as a speaker, but as a messenger of possibility, as we collectively turn the pages of destiny and script a tale of support and unity. Imagine a place where ideas dance on the airwaves, where voices echo with authenticity, and stories unfold like petals in a poetic bloom. RLM TV envisions such a space, a broadcasting facility that breathes life into narratives, amplifies unheard voices, and unites communities through the eternal thread of righteousness. 
Now more than ever, we find ourselves in a moment where the power of media can shape perceptions, challenge norms, and spark change. As Joel's army, we carry the torch of experience, the wisdom etched in the lines of our journey. It is our time to contribute to a legacy that goes beyond us, to invest in a space that will be the canvas for the artists of tomorrow. Let us come together, not just as donors, but as architects of a shared dream. Each contribution, whether large or small, is a brick in the foundation of a facility that will stand as a testament to our collective commitment to Jesus Christ's holiness, scholarship, and humility. In the tapestry of life, we have the opportunity to weave a vibrant and rich thread, creating a masterpiece that generations to come will marvel at. Today, I urge you to be a part of this masterpiece. Let us pool our resources, not just for a broadcasting facility in Florida, but for a legacy that transcends the boundaries of time. As we open our hearts and pockets, let us remember that our investment is not just in bricks and mortar, but in the power of divine connection, in the ability of the eternal gospel to bridge gaps and build bridges that we may become the stairway from heaven to earth. Together, we can make RLM TV's dream a reality. And in doing so, we contribute to a cultural landscape that reflects the redemptive strength of our entire generation. Thank you for being the custodians of dreams, the stewards of change, and the architects of a future where RLM TV's broadcasting facility stands tall, a testament to the power of unity, creativity, and the unwavering spirit of righteousness in our generation. Amen.